sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast Over the past week in Narrabri, the Independent Planning Commission has been holding a series of public hearings into Santos's proposed Narrabri gas project. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, the hearings have had to be held online, which has been a boon for us because we can all listen in to submissions being made by average citizens and experts alike. I've selected a few that I thought were exemplary to share with you. Ms Cutmore is from the Gomeroy Traditional Custodians. Please go ahead, Ms Cutmore. Yama, my name is Maria Polly Cutmore. I come from Moree. I represent the Cubby and Cutmore family. I was born in Moree and I am a local. I'm the original local of the area, and that includes this Narrabri area. My nation is a population of 15 to 20,000 people from the borders down as far as Singleton to the west and to to where the rivers meet. Since this time, I've been elected as a native title applicant to represent my people. And one of the uh, main uh, mandates of that election was that there'd be no mining in Gummeroy, any mining and especially Santos mining, no gas mining at all. It will destroy our uh, artesian water and um, uh, the destruction of, of country um, and with, with that, I have um, consulted with, uh, been out to um, many of um, towns, to my people, to talk to them about um, the consultation process with Santos. Santos, um, they did assure us that they had been speaking with um, members of my community, and I um, found that that was flawed, that they hadn't been speaking to them. So what, are, what one of the... Um, positions that I've taken as an elective person was to go out to my communities. I visit Coonabarabran, I visit Moree, Tinga, Bogabilla, Walgett, um, uh, Narrabri, t- um, as far as Ashford, and I've spoken to my people and they have all said no. They do not want mining in Gummeroy. They do not want gas mining and they especially do not want our great artesian water destroyed. We do not want that. That is our survivor. That's, that protects us, that gives us food, that gives us medicine. Also, with the Santos, when I've spoken with them at our negotiating meetings, I've spoken to them about the environmental impact statements. And um, what I've found is that that, um, that report was done in 2008. We are in 2020. We've had bushfires. We've had fish kills. We've had water, no water in our rivers in Gummeroy 
from the top as far as Inverell to Copeton, all the way down to Walgett. My people have been suffering and we can't suffer no more. We can't put up with this, you know. How much more do we have to put up with in our, in our, in our, in our country? We can't. You can't destroy the water on us because we can't, we're not going nowhere. We've had this done to us over and over for 250 years. It started with the massacres. It started with the bushfires, you know, the destruction of our countries. It started with all this. This is just something else that's come in. Please, can you please just stop it? We don't want it no more. We want to live. We want to be able to live and enjoy life in our country. We can't have this anymore. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation, Maria. Yeah. Thank you. speaker is Bogabri resident David Watt. I object to this project, not on principle or idealistic reasons, but for genuine concerns I still hold about the project on local farming land and groundwater. The incre increased fire risk of the project and its contribution to climate change. My wife and I own the, and operate the property Blairmore, located on the eastern boundary of the Pilliga State Forest. I have outlined it in red here on this map of the project. Based on the scale from this map, the project boundary is approximately 1,500 metres from our back fence. As you can see, we are the closest property on the eastern boundary of the project. Despite our proximity to the project, we have not once been contacted by the proponent for any sort of consultation. As Commissioner Hahn would well be aware, our other property is in close proximity to Whitehaven Coles' proposed Vickery Mine. Whilst the consultation with Whitehaven over its project has been disappointing to say the least, Santos's has been non-existent. I would have expected that consultation with landowners to explain and identify impacts from the project would be an essential element in the development of any project let alone one of this scale. To me, this just exemplifies Santos's disregard for the community they are claiming to be working with and supporting. We purchased Blairmore in 2014, with the understanding that there was gas exploration in the Pilliga, but with no idea of the scale and exact location of what is now proposed. Blairmore is not the low quality grazing land that the DPI referred to on Monday. It is highly productive farming land. In the six years we have owned it, many of which have been in drought, we have achieved wheat yields in excess of six tonnes to the hectare, canola of 2.9 tonnes to the hectare, and we've topped the market with heavy steers at the Gunnedah sale yards. To put it in terms for those not familiar with the industry, on this farm alone, in an average year, we will produce enough wheat to make over 2 million loaves of bread, enough barley, for over 10 million schooners of beer, enough canola for over 200,000 litres of canola oil, 
plus 21,000 kilograms of prime beef. Two bores on the property provide the water essential for this production. Without it, especially in dry years, our farm would grind to a halt. This is what I fear could eventuate with the drilling and dewatering of 850 new bores in this project area. While Santos claims that the aquifers we use will not be affected, I remain unconvinced that depressurisation and faults in aquitards will not, leak, will not lead to either leakage from the higher aquifers or contamination of them. David Kiddo, in his pre presentation on Monday, made the concession that more work needed to be done around the issue of faults. For us, this is not acceptable. Field development plans post-approval are not the answer. It is a cop-out. The risk is either there or it isn't. And if it is, well, this project is not approvable. Yesterday, Anna Christie from the Laird Forest Research Node raised the issue of drill cuttings being left on the surface of the site, potentially containing toxic substances, including radioactive material. I also have concerns about this. Our main bore is very shallow, with a standing water level at around only seven metres. If this aquifer sits below any of these drill cuttings, it is highly likely that leachates from them could contaminate this supply. For those living and farming on the eastern side of the Pilliga, fire is an inherent risk. We are constantly aware of it and do our best to manage against it. The predominant wind direction is from the northwest and fires that start deep in the Pilliga, generally from lightning strikes, can be on our doorsteps within hours. Some of our neighbours simply will not leave their properties during the summer, such is the risk and losses that fire poses to them and their businesses. This slide shows a bushfire in the Pilliga at the back of our place in November 2015. The next slide is the burnt eucalypt leaves that we picked up from our other property, some 30 kilometres away from that same fire. I am a Deputy Captain of the Wynella Rural Fire Brigade. Our brigade is responsible for the area east of the project through to Bogabroy and beyond. I see the fire risk of this project as twofold. Firstly, the potential to start a fire. The Pilliga over summer is a tinderbox. There are two likely sources of ignition due to the project which have been identified. Construction and increased human activities and ignition from flares. Risks from construction activities, in my opinion, are fairly obvious and undeniable. Ignition from welding, grinders, heavy machinery, vehicles, cigarette butts, etc. Santos claims that these risks can be managed through management plans. And in a perfect world, this would be the case, but we are far from perfect. The naked flames that will burn 24 hours a day, seven days a week, through all seasons, including, including the most extreme fire days, are what Santos refers to as pilot flares and safety flares. Pilot flares have a stack height of six metres and a flame height of four metres. Safety flares have a stack height of 50 metres, a flame height of 1.5 metres extending to 30 metres when triggered. Consider a whirlywind depositing combustible material in these flares. It is absolutely plausible the partially combusted material could be carried down to nearby vegetation outside the vegetation free zone of 40 metres and 130 metres respectively. Santos in his correspondence to DPIE has attempted to quantify the risk of the project starting a bushfire 
by stating that it is likely to occur once every 70 years. A recently re released report, which will be submitted to the IPC by the group Climate Risk, states that if climate change were considered in this modelling, that the figure would be more like one in 28 years. In fact, in the whole of the Appendix S of the EIS, which examines the bushfire risk, climate change is not mentioned once. The second fire risk of this project is the heightened risk of the project poses during a fire, especially to firefighters charged with the responsibility of fighting it. The hazard and risk assessment in the EIS states that the pipe standard to be used is that the pipe must withstand 650 degrees Celsius for 30 minutes and maintain its integrity. The CSIRO published article in 2015 titled Bushfire in Australia, Understanding Hell on Earth, describes the temperature of the reaction zone of a bushfire reaching in the, in the order of 1,600 degrees Celsius. I understand that these conditions will not be sustained for 30 minutes, but the question must be asked, will the infrastructure stand up to this kind of exposure? After all, steel melts between 1,300 and 1,500 degrees Celsius. The same article also cites the radiant heat flux of Australian bushfires reaching in, in excess of 150 kilowatts per square metre. Santos claims that the project complies with HIPAP 4 risk criteria, which includes a condition that the heat flux radiation at residential and sensitive areas should not exceed 4.7 kilowatts per square metre at a frequency of, or, of more than 50 chances per million per year, or 0.005%. Given the potential of this project to start a fire that Santos itself identifies to be once in 70 years, which could devastate the surrounding environment and residences, potentially burning in excess of 150 kilowatts per square metre, I just can't comprehend how they can claim this. Will Santos's insurance cover extend to my crops and property, or God forbid, the loss of life? Especially if they have understated the risks and failed to factor in climate change? Will our insurance companies be unwilling to continue to cover us for fire, or will we just pay for it in the premiums? Santos has assessed the bushfire risk as medium, and further that the risk to firefighters slash emergency responders has been evaluated and can be well managed through the multi-agency bushfire management plan. I won't harp on about last summer's bushfires and the tragic loss of life, including firefighters, but to say, given what we have just experienced, our commissioners, can anyone see this as acceptable? If this project is approved with another 850 gas wells and interconnecting pressurised gas pipes, I will not be further risking my life or those of my team by entering the pillager to fight a fire. Thank you. Thank you, David. Just um, on that last issue of the um, fire, bushfire risk, um, I've, I've heard previous submissions talk about the risk of methane, which um, adds to the risk of fighting a bushfire in uh, an area that's got gas wells. Um, would you like to comment on that at all? Um, well, it, it, whether the methane or the gas, whatever, it, it's an explosive substance, you know, uh, and then this is why I say I, I won't be in there. I'm not going to be the guinea pig to test test their infrastructure. I just think 
we're, we're rural fire, firefighters. We're, we're not industrial firefighters. So it's, uh, I think it's just a big, big ask for them to say that, um, that, you know, they'll get their men out and pass it over to the rural fire service because there's going to be a hell of a lot of us that won't be going in there. Thank you. David? David, um, just you mentioned earlier in regard to insurance uh, related to the fire risk. Do you have any comment uh, in regard to other insurances and any concerns you might have in terms of insurances being that you're a, a neighbour in proximity to the development? Yeah, well, as other people have, have mentioned, um, I have concerns about liability insurance. As far as I'm aware, because I, I won't be having any CSG infrastructure on my property at the moment, I don't think that is an issue, but who knows what, what is down the track. And, that, and this is what I say with the fire risk. I, I don't know whether my, whether my insurance company will, will continue to cover me for fire risk. You know, it depends on, on their assessment of the risk of the, of the project, whether we will be still insurable for fires. The next speaker is Naomi Shine from the Lismore Environment Centre. Hello, Commissioners. I speak in support of the traditional custodians of this incredible place, the Gomori and Gamilaray peoples, and acknowledge their ancestors, their elders, their youth, their knowledge, and their continuous connection to country through millennia. I speak in support of the Northwest Alliance, the Environmental Defenders Office, and the experts, scientists, economists, and medical doctors who are making a case against this project. These scientists and experts are numerous and they are correct. The pro this project is dangerous to human health, to the climate, and to the ecosystems we depend on. The Pilica Forest is the largest, most intact remnant and the most important core habitat for threatened species in the region. It is a national biodiversity hotspot. It is also home to amazing cultural heritage sites. The recent review of the Environmental Protection and Biodiversity Act found that Australia's environment is in an unsustainable state of decline and laws set up to protect unique species and habitats are ineffective. The assessment report indicates to me that this lack of custodianship will continue. Santos will be unable to find evidence of the biodiversity and cultural heritage within its operation. The community has lost trust that koalas and other species are looked for, accounted for and adjusted for by such companies. Santos's business model is underwhelming. They are offering a very raw deal to locals. Let us poison and desiccate your countryside and add to global heating and fire risk in exchange for 200 jobs for 20 years. This is not ecologically sustainable development. Tourism and agriculture are. The business model is flawed and the tide of the market and the tide of the media and public opinion is turning. Destructive, toxic, extractive projects that require expensive infrastructure that also pollute the land, air and water are no longer good business. Fossil fuels are being divested from continuously all around the globe. Oil behemoths are selling off and changing direction. Onshore, unconventional gas is just too expensive to produce, as Bruce Robertson will tell you in a few days. Renewables are cheaper to produce. Uh, all the state energy ministers are on board with renewable generation goals and zero emissions targets, as they outlined at last week's Clean Energy Ministerial Forum put on by the Clean Energy Council. This is the way forward. 
the aim of Santos in the assessment report to facilitate the extension of the existing gas pipeline network to northern New South Wales uh, and bring it closer to strategic gas supplies. This aim goes against the aspirations of most people in New South Wales to take action on climate change, to transition to renewables, not gas, to plan for increased natural disasters and all the other effects of increasingly rapid climate change. Farmers don't want pipelines, consumers don't want destructive gas and business investors are turning away from fossil fuels. Land clearing and hydrology disruption from pipelines, water processing plants, holding ponds, well pads, wellheads, compressor stations costs us precious time. This is a turning point. We need to ex preserve existing native vegetation and proceed to restoration of forests, wetlands and landscapes in order to effectively ameliorate climate change. This is the, the turning point. We can generate jobs in preserving life on earth, reforesting and working with the landscape and water cycles in new and clever ways, or we can continue with extractive industry that would be life denying and potentially destructive of all life on this planet. I'm listening to scientists, all the amazing research and into the way our planet functions, a huge body of knowledge that is coming to increasingly alarming conclusions. For example, a recent report shows that climate tipping points are happening much more quickly than anticipated. We might already have crossed the threshold for a cascade of interrelated tipping points. The risks are now much more likely and much more imminent. This is from a research report uh, uh, called Climate Tipping Points, Too Risky to Bet Against, with the subtitle, The Growing Threat of Abrupt and Irreversible Climate Change Must Compel Political and Economic Action on Emissions. This is not a disproportionate concern. This is a difficult to face reality and is starting to ex exercise the minds and hearts of many. I urge you to consider the reality that the scientific community is really worried. There is consensus that the planetary system is under immense pressure and the future is uncertain and it is high risk to continue the way we are going. Climate change requires us to act and it can be done, we can do it, but we've got to say no to new fossil fuels. Thank you for your time. Thanks for your submission. looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental As Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future 
you want. For the future, where